Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hello and welcome to the bonus. We're off to a well of rocky start, but we're we've started, so that's good. Um, my name's my name's Phineas Meir, and joining me as he usually does is Daniel Kirby. Welcome, Daniel. How are you doing, Finn? Very well. Now the bonus is around gra- grabbing your human rights, not just waiting for some well-meaning person to give them to you. So coming up on today's show, we have Daniel. We have Julie Phillips. Manager of the Disability Discrimination Legal Service, and Jax Brown commenting on the Disability Summit and People with Disabilities Access. Correct. So, um, yeah, so that p- promises to be a, a good job. But before we uh, t- talk about that, just wanted to um, your experiences with uh, education, Daniel. Well, is that disability and being excluded from class? Is that I did have that experience at school once is that one of them was quite an extended absence from a class is that the teacher at the time gave us me the option of staying in class and doing anything I wanted to or leaving. I got up and left and wasn't allowed back in the class for about three weeks afterwards and it doesn't make sense to me still. What yeah. was your experience, Finn? Um, mine was mine was pretty good, I must say. Uh, I guess... Um, for me, for me, I, I was lucky enough to go to a, a mainstream school where I, where I fortunate, where fortunately they sort of looked at, made sure that I was could um, be included as much as p- possible. I had uh, teacher teachers aides as well, um, and I guess there was me, there was me and 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 another kid as well who had. Down syndrome, so sometimes we, we would sort of be, we'd be uh, lumped in together by having this same uh, t- teachers' aid and, and stuff like that. But primarily, um, my, I guess I was l- lucky to go to a mainstream school where where um, I, I didn't have the, I, I wasn't, um, I was fortunate enough not to be excluded from things too much. So yeah, that was that was my. Experience. Well, I said with most my experiences, what I'd also like to add is that I went to a mainstream school too, and basically I was included in everything apart from me just giving a smart, a straightforward answer to a question which I didn't understand the consequences of. Well, yeah, that that happens to that uh, definitely happens to to the best of us. I th- some, sometimes we can uh, we we can say the wrong thing and uh, co- and uh, get the ire of the teacher, and uh, we're. Uh, in a world of hurt, anyway, we'd better get we'd better um, get on to our f- first guest who who will uh, be coming up shortly, hopefully. And that's Julie Phillips, the manager of the Disability Discrimination Legal Service. It is. Do you support more renewable energy for Australia? Want to see more clean tech jobs here in Victoria? 
Do you want politicians to do what it takes to tackle global warming? You do? Then how about joining the Estra Renewables team at an informal campaign info night? Come along to find out more about the barriers stalling the rollout of renewables. Meet the team behind Victoria's most energised renewable energy campaign and find out how you can support our work. Bueno. Next Tuesday, April 21st from 6.30 till 8pm. And where could we find you? At Friends of the Earth at 312 Smith Street, Collingwood. Friends of the Earth is a supporter of 3CR Community Radio. I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. Oh, just in the words of the Pointer Sisters, hey? What? What's happening? The new 3CR t-shirts are coming out. We had a competition. Kate Reid won it and it's so beautiful. It's got roses and a love heart and then the caption is, resistance is fertile. Oh, too deadly that, eh? So in order to get one, go to the 3CR website and follow the link to shop and there's $30. $30? Oh, what a bargain. And $25 for kids. You'll be able to secure one for yourself because they're in hot demand. Yay, get one now. Hello, uh, uh, we're, we're back on th- we're back on three three CR. This is the boldness with. F- Phineas and Daniel, and it's time for our first guest, Julie Phillips from the Disability Discrimination Legal Service. How are you going, Julie? I'm good, Phineas. How are you? Very well, very, very well. Now, uh, recently, there's been recently uh, in the news the, there's been a c- case of a an autistic boy in c- Canberra who was uh, rest- who was restrained at sc- school uh, in a c- in a cage, is it? Yes, that's right. Is this a uh, is this a common occurrence? Um, look, it's probably not common in relation to the actual structure being um, the cage that I saw described, but it is certainly common in that um, children with autism and other disabilities, but mainly autism um, disabilities that can result in um, challenging behaviours, are often at schools um, locked in a variety of structures and rooms. Um, And so it's just taken this very, uh, well, probably outrageous example to focus everyone's mind on things that unfortunately um, do happen commonly. And in fact, some schools are built in with special rooms just to lock these children in. So what sort of... uh, what sort of th- things do actually occur if 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 a c- cage is on the extreme end? Um, well, look, we've we've certainly heard stories, and stories have been told to um, statutory authorities like the Human Rights Commission about um, children being um, shut in storerooms, um, taped to chairs. Um, a lot of the, the schools, particularly special schools, have purpose built what they call time-out rooms. I'm not talking about sensory rooms or calming rooms. Um, I'm talking about rooms expressly for the purpose of uh, sometimes forcing children into and, and locking them up. Um, there has uh, certainly been a number of 
uh, external structures with fences, uh, fenced off areas where children have been placed uh, in response to challenging behaviours. So uh, the particular example of the cage in the room is one of the worst, but it, it, the theory of seclusion um, for children with disabilities is not rare at all, unfortunately, in government schools. Uh, Julie, what is challenging behaviour? Well, I'm glad someone's asked that because it's very unfortunate that senior people in our Department of Education often refer to children who are experiencing challenging behaviours as violent and aggressive and, and uh, threatening and assaulting and all that sort of thing. But challenging behaviours are often behaviours you might hear the term meltdown um, sometimes in relation to children with autism or even adults with autism. And it's really a response, an overloading and a response to a, uh, an environment which is not suited to them and, and a loss of control. So, of course, challenging behaviours can therefore um, most of the time actually be avoided with competent and sophisticated behaviour interventions. But if you don't provide a suitable environment, um, you are asking for those behaviours. And so it, they, they should, those behaviours should not be seen as deliberate uh, behaviours um, where individual children are deliberately going out to um, hurt others. Um, unfortunately, this is the way that the Department of Education looks at these children and has made their views on it very clear, um, their very pejorative um, views, which are rather unfortunate when you're talking about disabilities uh, that are complex. Are schools ill-equipped to, to handle... Um, pe are schools ill-equipped to handle people with disabilities, I guess, more mainstream schools? Oh, look, to be quite honest, there's not really much of a difference between... Um, the skills uh, in terms of challenging behaviours that have come to my attention between mainstream schools and special schools. And look, I think we have to be fair about this and that, are, that is teachers um, have teaching qualifications. They are not paediatricians, uh, they are not speech pathologists, they are not occupational therapists. They do, they might go to a few workshops on different disabilities but they should not be regarded or expected to be experts on very complex disabilities and know what to do. They don't receive the resources they need. They don't receive um, the money they need to pull the experts they need in to support them. And so what we have are cultures developing, particularly in special schools, where there is a certain manner in which children are um, dealt with. Often uh, restraint and seclusion are part of that. Um, and... And until they get resourced and provided with the support they need, um, that sort of thing will continue. Um, but it seems to be sanctioned right at the very head of the Department of Education as uh, they have been requested or recommended to prohibit seclusion by don not only the Office of the Public Advocate but the Victorian Equal Opportunity and Human Rights Commission, seclusion being the locking of a, a child in a space, and those requests have been made as early as 2012 and early 2013, and they steadfastly refuse. So you have to be extremely concerned um, that that is the attitude at the top, and what does it say to uh, when it filters down the bottom to teachers? So it's a very worrying situation for, for parents, 
and uh, it's also uh, probably very stressful for teachers who are placed in situations which uh, they're ill-equipped to handle. Uh, Julie, mm-hmm. let's say from the National Disability Insurance Scheme point of view, if a student had, let's say, challenged behaviour at school, could that possibly fall under something which they at primary school and secondary school that, that should be covered by? Look, I'm not an expert in the NDIS, but my understanding is that it will not cover schools. And and to be quite frank, it's the schools themselves that have the responsibility under discrimination law to ensure that the education is accessible. And um, for a, a child in a wheelchair, that means a ramp. For a deaf child, that might mean an Auslan interpreter. And for children with autism, um, it means providing an environment which is um, conducive to their disability. And often that will mean providing um, behaviour plans and uh, behaviour assistance with um, professionals like speech therapists, psychologists, um, occupational therapists. And so it is their responsibility um, and, and it shouldn't be put on the doorstep of anybody else. But what it should, um, what we should be doing is expecting them to uh, be able to bring in the people that they need to assist them in, um, in supporting all children. What, 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 what should, why aren't schools sort of, why aren't schools taking on these recommendations or, or, or what, I guess, what is the, what, what's brought on this, this culture of, of seclusion and, and, and exclusion? Well, um, it's really because you've got, um, the Department of Education and I suppose it's the Minister. Um, and we have to remember that there's a new minister now, but the minister who refused to um, put in the recommendations was um, Martin Dixon at the time. So you've got the minister who has not put in the recommendations in relation to seclusion. So you can't really blame the teachers there because what they've got at the top is an allowance, if you like, them to use seclusion and it's actually an interesting question because the protections for adults with disabilities um, under the Disability Act are much stronger. Um, So for example if you want to restrain a child with uh, an adult with a disability you have to go through hoops and you have to um, do comprehensive behaviour assessments and there's many rules and regulations. In the Department of Education there is one regulation that is raised um, time and time again um, by regional directors, deputy secretaries, and that is Regulation 15 of the Education Training and Reform Act. And that is one sentence which, um, and I can't quote it to you exactly, but it says um, pretty well much that if you believe a child is a danger, you can do whatever you need um, to prevent that danger occurring or that, that harm. And so in the name of danger or risk, um, if there's any challenging behaviour, um, teachers uh, can do what they want because there's very little um, policy and procedure around uh, not doing those things. There's little regulation uh, and the restraint policy that has only recently come in uh, from the department is so vague. It has a lot of uh, the word may in it. Teachers may do this and may do that and can do this. That there's, there's just not even an attempt protect protect children from uh, restraint and seclusion. So you've got no regulation or little regulation. You've got no resources and training and support. 
um, and therefore you will have challenging behaviours and uh, you you continue to have these problems with restraint and seclusion. Um, we are hoping that the Senate inquiry um, into abuse, which covers schools, will bring out a lot of this. Um, but the stories continue to be horrendous and the actions of all teachers continue to be supported at the regional director, director deputy secretary level. So there's problems at every single level from the bottom up, but there does not seem to be any interest in resolving those issues. And we all just hope that a child with a disability in a school doesn't die from these practices, as, as has been the case overseas. What, what can be... What, apart from having the... Uh, I note there have been... Uh, Call or the, obviously there's the the um, the Senate inquiry into abuse, but I think there's also a, an inquiry into um, education of people with a disability more broadly. What 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 else can be what else can be done to to really change the change the the educational outcomes for children with a disability for the better. Yeah, well, look, my understanding is that that inquiry um, for education, that Senate inquiry has been suggested but not adopted yet, and I think it's a great idea. Um, look, particularly in Victoria, the Victorian Equal Opportunity and Human Rights Commission um, released a report on this very subject in 2012 called the Held Back Report, and the Victorian Auditor General um, also released a report, uh, and it listed the many problems with education of students with disabilities. And, um, and they're quite complex because they range from um, the more blatant restraint and seclusion to the failure uh, by teachers to understand what an individual education plan looks like, to the lack of funding, to the lack of consultants, to um, the teachers' lack of knowledge of how to um, have student support group meetings. It goes on and on. And so it's actually all been very well documented in Victoria what the problems are. The, the issue with that is, though, that are, um, with all the recommendations that have put in, been put into um, or made by the Commission and the Auditor-General, that barely anything is happening. And in fact, um, worse than that, um, the Department, I noticed in a recent Victorian Auditor-General report, claims to have been acting upon... Um, the fact that individual education plans for kids with disabilities are uh, ad hoc and um, that there's really no training for uh, teachers in doing those and they are an important document. They're like a map of uh, what you're going to do with a kid's education. And they have responded to the Order General and said that they're um, improving um, that sort of thing um, and training in teachers. But actually at the same time, staff are writing letters saying you don't need to follow, um, staff don't need to follow any of the internal guidelines that the department has. So we haven't seen on the ground and we hear from disability advocacy groups and parents virtually any positive response to these very important reports. Um, the issues on the ground are the same as they have always been and when you have um, guidance notes and booklets and procedures from the department which they then say when you complain that they're only guidelines and they don't need to be followed, well, what hope have you got? So it's not that we don't know what's wrong with it, it's just that the Department of Education refuses to respond in a proactive manner to um, the issues that have been 
uh, raised. So how do you change the culture of a government department? I don't know. But I do think that a Senate inquiry is very important, if for no other reason that in relation to Victoria or any other state that has already had some sort of research report, either qualitative or quantitative, done on the, these educational statistics, you can actually benchmark or you will be able to um, what has happened or what hasn't happened as the case may be now or at the time of the inquiry to what has happened, uh, you know, what their recommendations have been previously. I guess what the interesting thing is why senior bureaucrats can preside over departments of education which um, bring out complete failures in children with disabilities and still retain their jobs because the issues are very serious. We all know the employment rates of people with disabilities. We all know how many of them um, do their, uh, manage to do their VCE or um, manage to get any decent education. So it's quite serious about... We also know Australia is one of the uh, lowest socioeconomic groups um, in terms of people with disabilities. It's all bad news and reports after reports come out no one does anything about it. So I do think an inquiry is a useful tool for benchmarking. And to be quite frank, departments of education around Australia who have been found not to have acted on previous reports where um, the outcomes for children with disabilities are just the same as they always have been, um, perhaps they need to go or at least they need to be held accountable. Um, so I'm all in favour of uh, another inquiry. <laughs> Um, even though it's not the inquiry itself that, that will save the day. But um, parents, I think, and advocacy agencies are just at their wit's end on this subject, so it's hard to know what else one can do. Uh, Julie, what constitutes discrimination at an education level? Oh, gosh. Well, look, that's the million-dollar question. Um, it's re it really comes down to um, a few things, reasonable adjustments or not being made, for a student with a disability um, and being um, less favourably treated than others, uh, having, um, having to do the same sorts of things um, others can do but not being able to do it, but being expected to do so. Um, but look, some practical examples are, um, you know, obviously not putting in a ramp for a student with a disability so they can't get into a school, that's an obvious one. Uh, creating um, materials and accessible formats, um, providing interpreters. But look, unfortunately, these things are uh, things, uh, words and phrases that lawyers can argue about interminably because we have education departments with no goodwill towards children with disabilities. So... Um, Less favourable treatment. I mean, obviously, there's some very stark examples of, of schools saying you can't attend full-time because you have a disability. Um, you can't enrol at all because you have a disability. Uh, you can't go on a camp or an excursion. I mean, these things all happen, even though they've been pointed out constantly. Um, so they're the sorts of... Um, there's the sorts of general things that constitute discrimination. But, of course when you get before the courts and have to argue it out, which is extraordinarily unfortunate that uh, parents have to do that, it becomes lawyer fodder and uh, um, things get <laughs> twisted and interpreted. But um, that, that's the vague uh, three areas that discrimination in education would fall into. And it's very vague, I can tell you. Oh, Julie, mm. hypothetically, 
instead of excluding somebody from a class because of challenging behaviour, um, could they actually consider it is that having something similar to seatbelts on every single seat so people can't move about and create that? Well, that's a restraint. So yeah. really what has to happen is this. Um, if a child is experiencing a challenging behaviour, there will be a function for that behaviour. In other words, a behaviour is a communication. It means something is wrong. And the idea is to find out what it is. And to give you a very simple explanation, um, a child with autism may have a lot of um, sensory issues. So there might be um, too much noise in the classroom. There might be too many things hanging from the ceiling and there's uh, too much stimuli. You know, they're, they're very simple things. But with a, a behaviour assessment, a functional behaviour assessment, by someone who is an expert in this area, you find out why the behaviour is happening and then you change the environment. And look, I'm making it sound very simple and it's not always simple, but sometimes it just is. Um, we know a lot of children with autism need structure and routine. Um, if you don't give them that, you're going to have problems. So it's, it's a sophisticated um, approach versus a Neanderthal approach and, and it is find out the function of the behaviour devise a positive behaviour plan that addresses what the issue is and um, and then monitor and evaluate that to make sure that it's effective. Uh, get experts involved in the development of that plan and the behaviour assessment. So I'm not saying it's, it's actually easy for someone who doesn't know what they're doing to do. It's not. You should not get a class teacher doing these things and you shouldn't expect them to do it. A person like me wouldn't be able to do it. But there are behaviour analysts that can do these things. So get them in and use them. Um, so it's really, that's the answer. And, and you can extinguish behaviours by approaching them in that sophisticated manner. What is it that's upsetting the child? Find out what it is. And if you can't find out what it is, get some experts in where that is their job and they will find out for you and then devise your plan. So you can actually not have these behaviours because, and it shouldn't be a, um, a choice between here's a kid in a classroom going wild and throwing things and teachers will say, well, what a, you know, we can't have this. Well, no, you can't have it. Um, but then get rid of the behaviour <laughs> in a sophisticated manner. Restraint and seclusion just make the behaviours worse and create trauma. So um, there's so much research on that, it's hard to understand why the Department, still, uh, Department of Education still supports those approaches but they do, um, but that's not the way that anyone is going to be happy, I can assure you. No, no, no. how, if people are, or people are, or they think they are experiencing, not necessarily, not necessarily this, but um, any form of discrimination, how can the, the uh, Disability Discrimination Legal Service help? Well, um, we can give people advice. Um, so we offer uh, hour-long advice sessions um, because sometimes um, things aren't always discriminatory. The law is very narrow and rigid. Sometimes things are unfair but not discriminatory. So people should give us a call um, and find out um, whether something um, constitutes discrimination against, um, under these federal or state laws. F fantastic. Well, we, we are... Uh, we got, uh, yes... Sorry, I meant to ask, 
do you are there any contact details? Sure, sorry, Finn. Um, oh, yeah. The uh, phone number is nine six five four eight six double four, or you can email info at ddls.org.au and that's DDLS for Disability, Disability Discrimination uh, Legal Service. Um, Very long name. It is. And we're on Facebook as well. And we'll, p- we'll put those details up with the p- podcast as well. Now, we're, we're, sadly, we must, uh, we must get, get, we must uh, leave you to, to your birthday party. If we, if we don't, we'll be, <laughs> we'll be, uh, we'll be uh, charged with the uh, Restraint from for not for restraint for not for you not uh, getting not to your celebration and yeah, not being not able to, not <laughs> being able to buy the candles so uh, on the cake so can't have that can't have that on my conscience so um, we thanks, will Finn. we'll uh, thanks for thanks for joining us Julie and we'll uh, we'll and uh, hopefully governments can start to uh, listen and education can change. Let's hope so. Thank you, Finn. Cheers. See ya. Bye. Bye.